From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan. And uh, Elaine, what a weekend we had, and what a week you had. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, you were able to go to Washington, D.C. Great trip. Yeah, be on the hill there and and working with the Latino Emergency Council on uh, communication issues during disasters, working with FEMA. Uh, FEMA. And, <laughs> you know, it's my old OES days for this stage, yes. just kind of. Yeah, and uh, actually worked with FEMA for, mm-hmm. for many, many years in the wonderful urban, organization, urban Mike. Yes. search and rescue program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely wonderful, great experience. And, you know, we'll have to take maybe a part of a show on an upcoming week, yes. and, and really go over what happened there. I, I think that would be uh, mm-hmm. really awesome. And <clears throat> thank you to all of you who participated in Airport 2011. Sounds like a movie, doesn't it? It's not, yeah, not an airplane. Or... No, no, not that. No, it was Airport. <laughs> the air... In fact, ABC's final airport cleanup uh, occurred uh, this past uh, weekend on Saturday, September 17th. Just had a wonderful time. As you recall, we began this a couple of years ago. We've been out there, I don't know, three or four times, and each time we take out between 22 to 36 tons of junk and debris out of the airport neighborhood. And this time was just a beautiful partnership between the city and volunteers from local churches. And I'll tell you, that was absolutely an incredible, incredible time. A couple of thank yous for that. First of all, to City of Modesto, thank you to Heather Grigsby, Mary Otto, Hugo Ramirez, and the guys who are driving Jaws and the Holler Truck. Wow. You know, and I, I, I would love to drive that Jaws thing. You, you know? think they would let you? Well, probably not, you know, because I, I would create havoc and death and destruction. <laughs> so in what's that. new? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we send back you to back, Washington to, back to Washington, <laughs> D.C. with you. No. Uh, it, it, it looks like a fun thing. It had, it had a great time talking to the guys. So thank you, City of Modesto, for yes. turning out and providing the heavy equipment there to, uh, to support us. And also, big thanks to Sun Valley Portables, because they provided... Those little uh, Very restroom necessary things. things, you bet. You know, when I was in college, we had those on our campus, mm-hmm. and and during television productions for the football games, you know, you'd you'd have those out there for the announcers, mm-hmm. and those of us who were working production at the time right. would wait till the announcers got into the little portable restroom, and and, and we'd knock them over. It was really fun. <laughs> I knew that was thing. coming. Yeah. <laughs> Back in college, of course. Now, Carlos, now, I mean, Carlos he's, is going. He's going what am I what, doing? What am here? I doing here? 
Yeah, what cemetery, a seminary did he graduate from, that Pastor Mike? I don't know. Anyway, but those were long days ago. He doesn't do anything like that anymore, Certainly, Carlos, I would not, you believe that. would not engage in portable restroom tipping over now, you know. Absolutely not. And uh, thanks to our field foreman uh, this year, uh, Pastor Ross Bryles, Sherwood yeah. Bible Church, Mission Greater Modesto, was out there. And, of course, uh, the Energizer buddy himself, uh, John Engel, out there helping us. Our field foreman, uh, Al Ramsey, our predecessor, is not yeah. here tonight, yeah. not feeling too well himself. So uh, uh, thanks to uh, Al and, and also to Oren Woods, one of our great treasures here at the ABC. And, and special thanks to the churches that... Tar- participated celebration center who also opened their parking lot and their restroom facilities as well very important good people down there celebration center cross point church in fact couple of pastors out there you know and and uh, pastor wade of course had Mm. to preach that night and the next day he was right out there you know slugging it out with the weeds and i think i saw cliff sexton out there as well larry bull uh worship pastor there was out there as well And uh, I had too much dust, I guess, on Saturday. It's <laughs> frogging me up here. And uh, also other churches represented First United Methodist Modesto Covenant. Right. Thanks to Seth Newman and his mm-hmm. crew there. North Modesto Church of God, Serving Church Fellowship, uh, Shelter Cove, and Sherwood Bible Church. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you so much to all of you mm-hmm. for participating in Airport 2011. Thank you so much for blessing the airport neighborhood here in Modesto. All right. Let's check in now with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of another real-life Jesus freak. 500 years ago, the only legal Bible is in Latin. But William Tyndale has a vision to bring God's Word to all the people. Working in secret, he translates and prints thousands of New Testaments. Soon, Christians all across England finally understand they can have a personal relationship with God. But thousands are executed just for owning one of these books. Tyndale also is hunted down, and his last words are a prayer. Lord, open the King of England's eyes. God honors that prayer, and within three years, the King orders William Tyndale's Bibles to be finished and placed in every church in England. Get a global perspective from the Voice of the Martyrs. Go online to persecution.com. You know, Elaine, I'm just thinking today, of course, we can. I can pull out my little handheld thing here, and, and I've got, I don't know, a good 20 different Bible translations on it. Mm-hmm. And thinking back to that era uh, of Tyndall, you know, you, were, <clears throat> you could be persecuted, sent to jail, possibly executed, for just having a Bible in your possession. That's right. And uh, so we thank God for the uh, the freedoms that we have now, but also with that carries our responsibility to uh, to really leverage those freedoms and get to work out in the community. We'll be talking about that a little bit later because uh, one, one of our favorite partners in Get to Work is the University of Phoenix, yes. and we're going to be talking about the way they've blessed Advancing Vibrant Communities, as well as the uh, community in just a couple of minutes. Right now, let's check in with Brad Dacus. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Another California city is attacking a home Bible study. This time, San Juan Capistrano has fined the Bible study host $200, apparently for failing to get a conditional use permit. 
Well, an appeal to revoke this fine was denied, and Pacific Justice Institute has interceded and is appealing this ruling to the Orange County Superior Court. Now, typically, CUPs are very costly, requiring such things as seismic and traffic studies, and often require lengthy public hearings. Pacific Justice Institute is fully prepared to defend this home Bible study because your Bible study could be next. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. Let me get this straight. They have to have a conditional use permit for a Bible study? Sounds like it. You know, isn't that bizarre? <laughs> bizarre, yes. You know, and we won't get to the rest of the show if I go off on that one. So let Let's let's talk about some opportunities let's to serve here. Let's do that from the Volunteer right. Center of the United Way, their hand, Linda Hand List. The Central Valley California Art Association, Art in the Garden, is going to be on Saturday, September 24th. Hey, that's this Saturday, isn't it? From 10 to 5, this amazing event features area artists demonstrating the full range of disciplines, including painting, pen and ink, watercolor, sculpture, fabrics, jewelry, etc., using the backdrop of a tour of unique planting and landscaping at private homes in the Graceda and La Loma neighborhoods and special activities at the Queen Bean and Mislin Gallery. The gallery will also feature wine and cheese and music by the Gloria Scott Band. Adult volunteers are needed to help out with setup of easels and various activities and equipment uh, Friday night. Uh, just prior to the event, during the day and from 8 to 10 on Saturday. Volunteers are also needed to help with cleanup, teardown between 4 and 6 after the event. Volunteers must also be able to lift and move items and possess good motor skills, leaves me out, and take direction. (laughs) Ongoing opportunities are also available for adults who would like to share their appreciation of the arts as a docent. And volunteers get to greet and assist gallery visitors, answer telephones, office duties, and a whole lot more. Training is provided. Uh, for more than 50 years now, the CCAA has been providing Stanislaus County and surrounding areas with quality experiences for creative expression. Our friends at the American Red Cross providing relief to victims of disaster and helping people prevent, prepare for, and respond to emergencies. Volunteer opportunities are available now for interested individuals ages 8, uh, make that 15 and above, and include but are for limited to general office, including uh, support and management, health and safety uh, for disaster departments, Um, community outreach education, information booths, first aid teams, staffing booths at events, fairs, concerts, sporting events, disaster response, both local, regional, and national, and military outreach events. All training is provided with new volunteer orientations the first Tuesday of the month from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m., uh, you can become part of the vibrant. We like that word, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> so you could do so much in your community. The Center for Human Services, Hutton House, Valerie Thompson over there. We love her dearly. Yes, we yes. does a great uh, job with she? those kids. Awesome. Absolutely. You can aid runaway and homeless youth in crises. Uh, adult volunteers are needed at the shelter site just to answer the crisis line, perform intakes, lead recreational activities, tutor youth, very important, uh, co-facilitate groups and group leaders transport youth to meetings, events, and appointments. Volunteers attend 18 hours of initial program. Uh, You must uh, 
go through the training meetings, pass FBI fingerprint, uh, criminal background review also, uh, TB test and child abuse index clearance, and commit to volunteering four hours a week, uh, and they'd like you to do that for a minimum of one year. The Hutton House is Stanislaus County's only shelter for runaway and homeless youth and provides basic residential services, individual group, and family counseling focused on getting youth off the street and reunited with their family. Friends, if you have any questions about these opportunities, call Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307. Her extension is 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113, or email her. She's at bborba at uastan.org. We have a single mom with dis- a disabled uh, adult son in need of a couch some chairs and dressers. She's on unemployment right now, and many can relate to that. Just give us a call here. We also have a woman uh, who's prepping for surgery and needs a bed. She's currently using a floor, and any size bed would surely be a blessing uh, and, and to come home to, and, and uh, we can uh, certainly uh, understand that. Call us here at 209-544-9571, and let's help these uh, folks out. And we have another request. Uh, one of our partners uh, this year, obviously, was Orville Wright School in the airport neighborhood mm-hmm. cleanup. In fact, we had our staging there. And uh, their principal, Heather Sherburn, says that uh, they have a great need for people to assist with kindergarten classes. Now, there are two sessions, one in the morning and one at, one in the afternoon. I kind of remember that from kindergarten. You know, you kind of went like in the morning or you went in the afternoon. I'm not going to comment. What? I'm not going to say. I didn't say. I no, no, I wasn't, wasn't at seminary or kindergarten. Okay. <laughs> kindergarten. Yeah. And then maybe that's what, maybe that's what led me down the road of not being a morning person. I went to afternoon kindergarten. Isn't that what they say? That's Everything you learn at life. There it you is. Learn, there you have it. You know, that that's, maybe that's why I don't it. do mornings. Huh? And and uh, I can't color real well, so maybe I didn't have a good. You were napping with these university crackers people, and milk. Oh, Phoenix people are laughing was... at me. What is coloring an entrance thing here? Was, you know, <laughs> can't take best of life. You can't color inside the lines. You know, but they're no, going to send I'm you just... back to school. They're going to send me back somewhere, but I'm not sure where that's going to be. Anyway, getting back to Orville Wright School, just a wonderful. By the way, Heather Sherburn has just done an absolutely incredible job in that neighborhood. Yeah. She is absolutely awesome. Again, thanks uh, to her for opening their parking lot for our uh, base of operations on Saturday. But if you are willing to uh, assist with the kindergartners, either in a morning or or afternoon session, please give us a call. We'll put you in touch with Heather, and uh, she would love for you to come out and... um, because, you know, are working with kindergartners, you know, there, there may be some fingerprinting and, and that sort of mm-hmm. thing that's required, right. obviously. But uh, they could sure use the help. And great way for us to thank them for extending us uh, such grace uh, when we were out there this, uh, this Saturday in the airport neighborhood. Well, you know, Mike, partnerships uh, are meant to last. We believe that, and we thank the good Lord for bringing this one about. And I fondly recall our first meeting with Amanda Mocadas. And uh, Carlos Flores has been here before, and like we said, you know, he endured <laughs> the, the abuse. And he came back. back. That's the amazing thing. And um, <laughs> those, and I remember watching the Phoenix commercials and the billboards and where people would say, I'm a Phoenix. I'm a phoenix, and I thought, you know, I don't know what a phoenix is, but I want to be one too. <laughs> and 
anyway, I'm thinking, uh, I am so glad that these precious people carved out time to be with us this evening because um, our beautiful friend Amanda came to us, and I remember when she did and came and shared the program with us. And it, it, I mean, it was just like no time at all. We just became partners. She shared the program with us and told us, you know, we could become uh, partners in a, a wonderful way. And we have. And since then, it's been, what, a couple of years? I don't know who's, who's counting, but it's just we've got some Phoenix friends, as we very affectionately and lovingly call them. And we just want to welcome you. A warm, big welcome. Big, big group hug to Carlos Flores and Amanda Mogadas. And thank you for coming again on the show. Amanda, I, I remember when, when we first met and uh, you, you uh, posited this idea, you know, of, of, wow, our students have to get some, some hours in, you know, to, uh, to complete their bachelor's degree. And, and uh, I thought, wow, you know, that, that, that's a great possible. We had no idea what would start with that. I mean, I, I want to tell you, we have been blessed by the University of Phoenix. Yes. We thank you so much for thinking of us in the first place. That had to be a God thing, you know, just making that connection and, uh, and putting up with us and, and, and allowing your <laughs> students to come and, and, and share in, in, in blessing the community. And, and I hope, too, that you have been blessed as well with, with, with that partnership. Yes, absolutely, Pastor Mike. Well, boy, I was starting getting worried a little bit after um, you started this program today, I'm like, did we, did we really make the right choice? But I'm glad that we have. <laughs> now, Amanda yes. is the lead faculty area chair, and I, I want to say that Carlos is the campus college chair for the College of Social Sciences. I want to get that's very alliterative, yes. right? Yeah. The yeah. campus yeah. college chair. I like that. Yes, thank you. It's been a blessing to us too. We uh, actually have enjoyed our partnership with you. Hmm. And our students, every single student that we have placed at Advancing Vibrant Communities had nothing but great things to say about the program. Thank well, and I think one of the blessings for us, too, is, has been able to a couple of times to go into the classroom and uh, and present to the students. And, you know, invariably what happens is there's somebody there that's already volunteered with ABC at yes. some point. You know, we've... And, and so I think there's that, that spirit of getting into the community. And, and as we've talked about so much, in today's culture, we cannot stay in our silos. We have to get out into the community and the, meet the people who have the needs at their point of need instead of asking uh, them to, to, to come to us. Tell us, uh, Amanda and, then, and Carlos, I want to get your global overview of, of how this uh, program works. But Amanda, how, how have you seen this part, how have you seen this partnership between ABC and the University of Phoenix play out in terms of helping the educational process for the students? Okay, well, Pastor Mark, I can definitely tell you that it's uh, been a positive match. First of all, I want to put that up front. Uh, whole um, The degree in human services actually focuses on the core competencies. The whole program, I mean, that's what makes the Bachelors of Sciences in Human Services so unique at University of Phoenix because every course in the program is designed to focus on a core competency. And uh, we offer not only one, uh, but three different field experience classes in a two-year program, uh, which 
it also makes our program unique compared to you know other colleges that offer a bachelor's in human services. So our students actually have the opportunity to have three hands-on experiences working in the field. Mm-hmm. The way that uh, I like to describe the field experience classes, uh, I see them as a bridge connecting the course objectives with a real-life experience. And students actually have the hands-on opportunity mm-hmm. to put into practice their skills. And the Advancing Vibrance community is a very hands-on organization. You guys have done a tremendous job helping our students succeed and be competent human services workers. Some of the examples of the core competencies that our students focus on, for example, assessment and networking, uh, facilitation of services, communication, uh, leadership, advocacy. And those are all the skills that uh, you are using in your program. And our students have been able to implement all their uh, skills in the real life experience. And uh, like I said before, we have only had positive feedback mm. about our experiences. So we are truly thankful about this partnership. I don't want to get uh, we want to get into specifics yes. here in just a couple of minutes but but sure. Carlos let's get your viewpoint on from your global perspective where <laughs> where you sit with the University of of Phoenix it just seems to me it is so important to put a practical aspect to the classroom learning and and uh, many of the the students are you know, they're, they're not just fresh out of high school. These are folks who, as our friend John would say, have some bark on right. them, right? They, they, they have some life experience behind them. And, and here we, here you provide them with the opportunity to actually put their classroom learning to work. In terms of the global perspective, how important is that to the University of Phoenix and, and the curriculum process? Well, I think that it's very important. Uh, Amanda put it, uh, very nicely when she said that it's, it's a combination that um, I think benefits our students because it gives them a snippet of what they're going to see out in the communities. Mm-hmm. And because it's, it's uh, divided the three field experiences come at the beginning and the middle and the end of the program, then uh, you can also have a number of – you can have a lot of knowledge for example, our first one, they come in, they go to an affiliated site, and then they help out with the knowledge that they come in from, sometimes from their place of work, because the majority of the population is adult learners. And so one of the things that we pride on is that uh, we usually like to say that any time during a classroom, they'll actually learn something that most of them can implement the next day mm. at work. And on top of that, human service is a very unique uh, bachelor's degree that has the experience aspect to it. So uh, I love it. Uh, this is why, uh, you know, our, our university and actually our human service program is the biggest of our college because we actually have three programs. Uh, we have psychology, master's in counseling, and bachelor's in human service. But our human service program is actually the biggest out of all three from our college. So it's, it's, uh, it's a very b- good blend, Beautiful. educational blend. Carlos, who can be a phoenix? Um, well, you know what? Uh, it would be easy for me to sit here and tell you who, who can be a Phoenix, but if, if I can, I'm going to refer it to the Phoenix <laughs> that are here that have just graduated because they can actually tell you who and can be a Phoenix. We are so proud of them. We have Hope and we have Katrina, and both of these beautiful ladies have been 
Phoenix Friends to advancing vibrant communities. And, and ladies, we want to thank you for being here. Uh, you're no strangers to Lighthouse Live. You both have sat in on programs before. And Hope, uh, you shared um, some with us just before going on air tonight. And if you would just, uh, once again, just share a little bit about where you came from and as you came to Phoenix and encourage the people listening. We won't tell you that they're listening all over the world. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but share with us uh, a little bit about your personal experience. Okay. Okay. Well, um I had started, it started about in the year 2005, where um, I became divorced, and I was left single with a son, a nine-year-old son, and at that time, I knew I need, I had to um, find a means to support my son and myself, and I had, at the time, decided that I wanted to go back to school, but I was kind of afraid to, because I wasn't sure of what to expect, you know, I was kind of apprehensive about it. I went to the University of Phoenix and I sat down with one of the counselors and um, we went over the program and it was very, very exciting to me, but I was still kind of nervous about doing it. I didn't think at the time, I didn't believe that I could um, accomplish this, you know, four years of college because I was coming in at, with no credits and my um Enrolling counselor, Mr. Choa, you know, encouraged me and said, yes, you can. You can do this. So I didn't make any decision at the time. I went home, and about five minutes after I got home, the phone rang, and another counselor called me. And um, she told me, she said, I know where you're at, Hope. I've been there, and I encourage you. You know, this is going to be good for you. If you don't try, you'll never know how successful you can be. Mm. So she, with her encouragement, I returned to school and I enrolled. Four years later, um, I graduated last Saturday. I am so excited. I never thought I would get here. Um, I did make a lot of sacrifices, but I do not regret none of them. Um, I had great instructors. Every single one of my instructors were wonderful. They were encouraging. They helped me through every step of the way. My counselors, my academic <coughs> counselors, my financial counselors, every one of them were there for me. I cannot complain at one time. I just had a, an awesome experience. And I encourage anybody out there, anybody who, who thinks they can't do it, they can't be successful, because I was out of school for about 30 years. So this was a huge leap of faith for me. But through the encouragement, through the counselors and my teachers, I made it. Mm -hmm. I graduated on Saturday, and it was the most wonderful experience. I mean, there's no feeling like it to finally be there graduating and accepting my my degree. It was just awesome. So I just want to thank the University of Phoenix Yes. Every instructor, every counselor. Look at her face. That mm. helped me through, yes. who encouraged me. <laughs> I, you know, I, there's no other words to express my my gratitude for this school. Mm. Now, Hope, uh, let's talk about some of the experiences that you had. Now, I, I know you're involved. You were 
before you came to ABC, you were already serving in, in some other places. Talk a little bit about some of the places you have served, some of the people that you came in contact with, and how that helped you in your uh, degree program and in your learning process. Well, one of my first internships was with um, Optimal Hospice. Mm-hmm. And when I decided to do my internship there, um, I really didn't understand what I was getting into when I went there. All, all I knew was I needed to to do my internship, and this was going to be uh, helpful to me in my career in helping people. And I knew that when I got there, this was going to be good for me, but I didn't realize how good it was going to be for uh, the person I was going to be helping, mm-hmm. you know, how helpful I would be for them as well and how rewarding this was going to turn out to be for myself. So when I, when I started my um, internship for Optimal Hospice, um, I got my first patient and I was just, you know, I learned, I learned very quickly how important it is to be compassionate, how to be um, just a good listener, mm-hmm. you know, yes. how to offer yourself, even though they're at a time where, you know, they only have a short time to live, but just that little bit of time you have with them is going to be so meaningful to the little time that's left in their life. So not only was it meaningful to them, but it was so meaningful to me. It was so rewarding for me. So that was my first internship. My second, I did it with um, the American Red Cross, and that was that was totally different. Mm-hmm. I wanted to t- go from one spectrum to another. I wanted to see what it's like to do something in hospice and then go to something that's totally different because I want the learning experience. I wanted to know what's out there. What can I do in with this degree when I graduate? So I decided to go with the American Red Cross. And that was a great experience for me too because I got to work with some of the top-notch people in rescue. Um, I got to participate in a lot of the um, baseball games um, in the first aid um, section and I did a lot of assess a lot of assessing there where I would go to the baseball games and it's not about watching the game. You know, you're there, you're there to watch uh the people, to assess them, to make sure um the elderly are not dehydrated, the children are not running and they're not gonna get hurt. So it's about monitoring, assessing everybody that's there, um, to ensure that there's no accidents. You know, many times we had people who did get injured, um, an elderly who did pass out, you know, and just the immediate attention that the American Red Cross um, gave these people and and the training, the constant training that I went through to um, just be aware of my surroundings and and the assessment aspect was just a really um awesome part of my learning experience. And, by the, and by the way, Hope is talking about the, the Modesto has a minor league baseball team. <laughs> yes. And uh, lovingly chosen by, yeah, I did not vote, that, that called the Modesto nuts. <laughs> and um, 
you know, which could apply to Lighthouse Live on many <laughs> occasions. But anyway, so it's a big thing. It's a minor league team. It's absolutely an incredible thing. Hope we want to continue uh, with, with some of your stories and Katrina as, yes. as well. But Elaine has a wonderful gift for us set up here. Well, we do. Uh, we have uh, a special uh, song guest, Amy Grant. And uh, she poses questions of her own. Ultimately, hoping you find what you're looking for. And, hey, maybe it'll be the University of Phoenix. Yes. Here's Amy Grant now on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back. What would they find if they uncovered all of my tracks? Roads I'd slept down in darkness and never turned. Will they find what they're looking for? Secrets and so much more. What would they find if they search for a heart of gold? They find sacrifices of time and of money never told. Yeah, they'd find what they're looking for Kindness and so much more Cause there's so much good in the worst of us So much bad in the best of us Never makes sense for any of us To criticize the rest of us just find what we're looking for We'll find it in so much more And what would I find if I turn back the time on your face Could I piece together the memories that have made you I might find what I'm looking for Understanding and so much more Cause there's so much good in the worst of us So much bad in the best of us It never makes sense for any of us To criticize the rest of us
find what you're looking for. That's Amy Grant here on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike Elaine and our very special guest from the University of Phoenix tonight here on Lighthouse Live. Hope, uh, as, as you were talking, uh, you, I think you, you said two extraordinarily important things uh, there. One is the value of listening. You know, it's a lost art today. E- even in, in ministry, oftentimes we do a lot better if we would listen more and, and, and talk less. And then offering yourself. You know, of course, that brings to mind the Apostle Paul and, you know, offering a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. But here you are you, you, learning these things in a very practical way, first with hospice. And I, wow, what a wonderful place to start. And, and then uh, with the American Red Cross and, and later with ABC. Uh, the value of listening, offering yourself. How did those experiences benefit you as you were going through your program? Well, what I could say about that is that today, um, as I look back at my experiences with these two different agencies, I've grown so much and to realize what the meaning of true human humanity is and, and the giving of yourself to those who, who are in need and who do need help. Um, it's just been a wonderful experience. I've learned a great deal. I've learned what it is to be a compassionate person and to be giving to those when you can. And if you can, you know, there are many people out there who, who need our help. And I, for one, I think I truly believe that this is what has helped me make my decision to work in this career and to get my degree or my degree in human services is because I want to help others. I want to be there for them. I can't do everything, but as much as I can, I'm, I surely want to try. I think you already had that DNA in you, didn't <laughs> I you? I, I think the University of Phoenix has helped refine it, but mm-hmm. you had the raw stuff, I think. And, uh, and, uh, Katrina, maybe we can talk to you a, a, a little bit about your experiences and, and jumping off of, of Hope's comments here of really looking beyond the program and, and looking into the needs of the person that we're serving. That's what it's, that's what it's all about. So many times in programs, they, they become a number, they become a statistic, they become a way for a grant to be, you know, uh, refined. But, uh, you know, our experience with, with both of you and the, and, and other students has been that you really look at people as people, as humans who are suffering and have, have something that needs to be met. Let's talk a little bit about your impressions of, of how working with these people has helped you in your program. Um, well, I don't know. Um, just like the Modesto nuts, I threw you a curveball there. Yeah, I know. Uh, Katrina's done a lot of assessments and I think, you know, that's what I remember her doing uh, out there in the field for us. I think of the lady with all of the cats and how you really rose to that occasion. Well, uh, there's a lot of different aspects, I suppose. I mean, I, you know, I started my first field experience working with Youth for Christ, and um, that turned into, you know, a job. And um, so, you know, I mentor teenagers, you know, at some of the high schools. And so I guess that gave me an opportunity to, 
use a lot of the stuff that I'm learning in my program, you know, every week. You know, so all the stuff that I'm learning, whether it be, you know, dependency, you know, with drugs and alcohol to um, just everyday life stuff, you know, and child development, you know, there's different extremes. You know, I can apply a lot of different things. How did some of that classroom learning that you had as you looked at uh, different principles that were being presented, how were you able to maybe put some of those to use as you got out into the field, whether it was ABC or Youth for Christ, whoever mm-hmm. it might be? How did how did you put some of those principles to use as you began to interact with people in the field? Um, you look at people differently, I think. You... Um, you start to, instead of just see people as um, a cover, you know, to a book, mm. you know, you start mm. seeing them mm. as pages, and um, you start seeing that there's more to. I mean, I think I did that a little anyway, but you start looking even deeper than just the pages. I think it's the in between the words, you know, it's the stuff that's not even written. It's the stuff that. Um, hasn't even been investigated. You know, it's the research behind the book, I suppose, is a way to look at it. Getting behind the cover of, of the person and, and uh, yeah. beyond the superficial issues right. to look at the root causes yeah, like of why, what's happening. Why are they doing what they do? Mm. And, yeah, they say this, but, no, there's more to that story. And they may not even know what it is. And I think it, um, it really drives me, you know. I'll, I want... I want to help them figure out why they're doing what they do, especially when it's something that's negatively impacting them in their life and their productivity. Now that uh, you've you've completed your your degree, what uh, what what do you see for the future? What, what do you? How are you going to leverage that? I'm going to continue in my master's Excellent. and um, my the marriage and family therapy, specializing in adolescents. I have to throw in that. Because I really want to work with adolescents. That's my passion, Mm. definitely. I think what amazes me about Katrina and Hope and many of the people that have come through the doors here of ABC, Amanda and Carlos, is these people have families, their wives, their husbands, and and they're working. They have busy, busy lives, and they are students, and they have a lot going on. Plus, they are giving of themselves here in their field experience hours. They are just busy, active, driven, compassionate people. And they just continue to give of themselves, as, as we've said. Is that what you find a lot, uh, Carlos, as, as you look at the, the student body that, that uh, lands at the University of Phoenix? Are, are you finding that predisposition towards wanting to help people and having a heart for the community? Uh, or, 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 do you, or do you vet them to... To see that, how, how does that work out in terms of your your student body? Actually, what you said earlier on that they come in with a certain DNA, mm. I think it's correct. A lot of the times, what we get is people want to help out either because of their experiences, what uh, their families or their communities have gone through, or because uh, they just want to help and they know that they want to help, and they come into the program and they learn uh, the edu- they get the education. So that way they, they, they go back and they're able to provide services, they're able to do the assessments, they're able to advocate for their 
communities. I mean, I've, we've had uh, students that, uh, let me, get, uh, I'm going to give an example. Uh, we had another student graduate here at, in, in Sacramento. Uh, she's going through her last field experience. Uh, the thing is that she's, she's gone through uh, about a year and a half of chemotherapy, mm. but she's never missed a day. Mm. She's wow. always in class. Wow. She's always turning in everything. She said, this is what drives me. I don't know what I would do if I wasn't going to University of Phoenix. And so th those are the stories. And like you, you were saying, it's correct. We have that DNA because we also, as faculty, as uh, university as a whole, including our College of Social Sciences, we tend to be people-oriented. We tend mm -hmm. to be a tight-knit mm -hmm. community because mm. I know that uh, we tend to know each other. It's that connection that we get. And I think that's what drives all of us. There is that point where you start, for example, the program, and you're looking more at, okay, I have to fin uh, do my requirements for field experience. But then once you step into a site, it changes everything. Mm. And now it's not a requirement. It's like, okay, uh, how can I do this within the hours that we could? And some people decide to stay beyond. Some people decide to stay way beyond uh, and, and do some of their own time as well. And so, uh, I mean, those are the examples that I can give you. Great. I want to ask uh, Amanda a question here very quickly. While I'm doing that, uh, Hope and Katrina, I'd like you to start thinking about maybe a story or two uh, from your experiences of interacting with people during your degree, uh, degree program, stories that uh, impacted you, people's lives, their situations, uh, something that you took away and said, wow, you know, that, that was a, that was a valuable encounter. Uh, for me, so let me uh, let me give you a couple minutes to think about that, Amanda. Um, here you have these students, and 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 kind of like a, a raw diamond, a diamond in the rough, and okay. and uh, you then and, and you just saw a wonderful job. You know, I've seen you in the classroom and mm -hmm. and active there, but you had a diamond in the rough, and 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 through the process, you begin to hone it and polish it and, and, and uh, give them the skills that they're going to need to really leverage all of that innate talent that they have in, into becoming awesome uh, servants in, in the community. What are some of the common challenges that you see that students have, and uh, how, how do you help them overcome those challenges in the classroom? This is a great question, Pastor Mike, and I honestly don't have to think about it twice, and I can confidently t tell you, you know, answer the question, I believe it's the transition. The transition, what I mean by transition, is just transitioning from a lifestyle to another lifestyle, because when students or adult learners returning to school, it is a change in a lifestyle. It is not easy. I mean, I'm, I, I have, we have two students right here, Hope and Katrina, and we just uh, listened to Hope's uh, story and her testimony, which is very powerful. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's tremendously encouraging to not only students, but, but to all of us. She went through a lot of changes and mm -hmm. transition. I'm sure it was not easy in the beginning, uh, but she was able to adapt herself to the changes. And what's really been working, it's being a family, and I think Carlos, you know, mm. um, addressed it a little bit earlier, if I remember correctly. We are such a close-knit family, and that's what I like about Phoenix. We are a small community. Our class sizes are smaller compared to other colleges, and we have wonderful discussions in the classroom. 
And in the beginning, uh, I personally, as an instructor, like to have a quick introduction. You know, hey, tell us how you've been, how was your week, and anything exciting you like to share with us. And that's just like a quick icebreaker and uh, providing with students with an opportunity just to bring their experiences and to share with us. And it feels like a family. It feels like a family. And we are in close contact with you know, most of our students. We, relationships. It is relationships. Relationship. It is truly about relationships. We use first names. Mm. We use first names. And we know our students by first names. They know us by our first names. And that's just, I think that has been a wonderful um solution to some of the problems that our students have been challenging. I don't want to speak on behalf of our students, but just from an instructor's point of view, um, I, I think that's been a great asset. Well, I think one of the things that, that we notice, and, and one of the most powerful ways to heal a community and, and to revive it and to encourage it and to see it lifted up and become vibrant, as, as our name yes. says, is partnerships. And it I is. noticed one, one of the important values uh, in, in the University of Phoenix is the partnership. I, I noticed that your students work as teams. You know, there's there's teamwork going on. That's absolutely. important to you, right? We, we have, that's, that's absolutely a big part of what we do. And uh, part of the grade is individual grade, and part of it is learning team grades. Mm. So we help our students to be competent human services worker, and part of that competency is being able to work in a team and being part of the team, and not just being part of the team, being an effective member of the team. And that has its own dynamic. Yes, that it? has its own dynamic, yeah. get its own challenges. I'm telling you, it's <laughs> not easy. <laughs> you know, we dealt with some very difficult cases and situations mm. that, you know, we, I had to intervene, and Carlos had to intervene, and students may not interact well with each other and you know it it is and that by itself it's a wonderful learning opportunity for them to uh, work on their interpersonal relation uh, relationship skills conflict uh, skills and uh, it, it it is it is hands-on experience it's all a part yes, of it it is all it? part yes. of it speaking yes. of partnerships and teamwork you have something very important coming up that we want to get out there and, and talk about don't you there's a very big event coming up in october we do we have uh what we call we've been calling the site fair this year we're calling it a career expo because we have we're actually collaborating with the college of criminal justice it's on saturday october 22nd <laughs> from 9 to 12 mm -hmm. uh student registration will be at 8:30 and so what we're going to have is we're going to have uh our sites affiliated sites we'll be there yeah yes. <laughs> and we'll be, and and we're excited that you're going to be at, at our uh event yes. uh we'll have a number of sites. Students can actually bring the resume, uh, bring information, bring questions to individual sites. So that way they can have that face to face that a lot of times, you know, you do phone calls and you try to get a fit via, via other ways of communicating. But this one, you can be face to face with, with the actual sites. Uh, so what's going to happen is from nine to 10, uh, the students will have an hour to, to do that. Of course, they can do that throughout the event, and so at 9 o'clock, we're actually going to have three speakers going in at once, one's from uh, the, the department, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Right. He's going to be uh, talking about uh, the impact of the prison on mental health and the release of, uh, of inmates and how that's going to affect the community and also how that's going to affect mental health. Uh, we're also going to have a speaker... Uh, from uh, 
from the Mental Health of, of America of Central Valley, and he's going to talk about the Mental Health Rehabilitation Act. He's going to talk about what impact uh, the up-and-coming uh, health care reform will have in the field. Because mm. I know that I was saying this earlier, I went down to Southern California, and the, and the director of the Department of Mental Health in, from for L.A. County stated that uh, if any university had a, a human service degree, uh, in within within their programs, then they would be ahead of the uh, ahead of everybody else because once healthcare reforms comes up and agencies start to form that will have you know doctors, nurses, uh, psychologists, marriage family therapists, licensed uh, social workers all together, the human service uh, uh, the ones with the human service background will be able to be very adaptive because they they will they have the actual human service program has snippets classes that go over a little bit about social work a little bit about marriage family therapy a little bit about addictions a little bit about uh advocacy mediation and so they will be the ones that would be hired first and so we were very excited because we do have the bachelors and on top of that we have the human experience the field experience component so um, so this gives the students uh, uh, an exposure to a variety of different career paths. Exactly. That, that's the mission. Yes. How can people, uh, how do we find out about this, uh, more information? What? Uh... Well, um, they can certainly uh, give me a call. Uh, right now we're working on flyers. Uh, all sites have uh, actually Amanda and a couple of other lead faculty area chairs are, are making phone calls. We've invited the sites to be there. Uh, students will get an invitation as well. Uh, again, work, uh, Phoenix, we're working with Phoenix uh, to get the flyers out so that we can get it out into, the, into uh, everybody. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that uh, if, you, if they have any questions, they can call me. My direct line is 916-286-2853. Uh, and actually, if they have any questions regarding any of the programs that we have, including human service. Well, let me give that phone number again, area code 916 at Sacramento. Mm, exactly. 916-286-2853. Again, that's 916-286-2853. And that's the Career Expo coming up on October 22nd. Uh, we're bumping the clock just a little bit. Hope and Katrina, <laughs> yes. any uh, any encounters out there in the field uh, that that you recall? Anything that uh, you said? Wow, that that was an interesting person. That was an interesting encounter that uh, that kind of had an impact upon my life. Any uh, any thoughts come to mind before we end? Um, well, I would say that the the one that had the most impact on on my life would be uh, when I worked with hospice, um, when I had got there to visit my patient and her two daughters were there. And when you when you do your internship, most internships start with training, and so you go through a training process, um, what's expected of you, and you learn how to do assessments and what you need to look for. And um, I went to visit my patient, and I noticed right away during my assessment that she wasn't looking well at all. I mean, she had taken a turn for the worse um, from two days prior that I had seen her. And unfortunately, that within 40 minutes of arriving, she had passed away. Mm-hmm. And so experiencing her passing was um, sad, but I knew that my focus had to stay on the attention of the, the daughters as well that were present when the mother died. So my first 
instinct was to get the nurse so they can do their the vitals on the mother and then to um to attend to the um the daughters to help them through the moments during the death of their mom and that's a that's an experience not many people uh, right. not many people have mm-hmm. didn't mean to cut you off oh katrina any katrina. anything uh occur to you um just recently you know right well last week um after graduating you know one of my girls came in and she had spoke with her counselor and she was all she's a senior and was all ready to quit school mm. because she's behind in credits and she knows my story and some of my struggles she's been one of my mentees for a year so she knows a lot of my history so i was able to be very straight with her and say hey hey wait a minute okay you know my story you know where i have been and if I can do it, if I can do it and graduate with my bachelor's, you can graduate high school mm-hmm. and you can go on to college. Something to having uh, walked down that road yourself. Right. It gives Absolutely. you credibility. Isn't Absolutely. It? Well, thank you so much. And we just appreciate you guys all sharing with us. And we just wish all the very best for Amanda, Carlos, Katrina, Hope, all of the students, because you guys have just impacted our lives in ways that we can't, uh, we can't even begin to, to describe. So thank you for sharing with us tonight. Dear friends at home, wherever you are listening, thank you for sharing a piece of your evening with us. And join us again next time here on Lighthouse Live. God bless you. Rock me.